Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Um, Today, I am so excited because I am speaking to a wonderful advocate, peer, inspirational writer. She's got so many skills and talents. It's it's just a joy to speak to you today, to speak to Joy. <laughs> Hi, Joy. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, Lori. I'm actually really excited to be here. Well, and, you know, I want to give you your full name, Joy Arujo. Um, I think this is a name that many people have seen because she has been submitting essays to our annual essay contest for years. And by far, is she one of the best writers we have ever had? Um, she's won first place, honorable mention, third place. I mean, you've you've placed <laughs> for so many years. And your recent essay was just um, absolutely beautiful about creativity. So uh, what's it like to write and inspire others with your story? First, I want to say thank you for holding this contest. I think it's a great outlet for people like me or rather people like us with kidney disease to be able to express ourselves and share our stories. I think it's a wonderful way for us to be able to let the world know um, what it's like to live with kidney disease. So being able to enter this contest is just a very special thing to me. Being able to enter year after year and share my story has always just been something I look forward to year after year, getting to see what's the prompt going to be this year. I just find it very exciting to enter the contest and to be able to place every year that I've entered, it just blows my mind. And I'm just, <laughs> just very thankful, just very thankful for this contest in general. Well, and I remember one of your first essays for our 14th essay, The Silver Linings. And um, we're going to link them all on the podcast so you can go read all of her words of wisdom and her inspiring attitude. But let's just have a little um, little recap on your kidney history. <laughs> yes. Well, my diagnosis came rather suddenly. I just woke up one morning with my eyes swollen shut. It was May 1998, and I remember the date vividly because it was the day of the school carnival. And I just woke up and that's how I learned I had kidney disease. I went to my local pediatrician and he thought that I had nephrotic syndrome, C1Q nephropathy, and a biopsy confirmed that was exactly what I had. And I know the doctors were hoping that I had minimal change disease, which was an easier case to treat, but that just wasn't the case. And I started um, a lot of harsh treatments like pulse steroids, which were massive doses of of prednisone, about 1,500 milligrams every other day through an IV, which split my skin open into blisters and a lot of other just really harsh treatments that left me feeling really tired and weak. And um, I did a lot of these treatments until I finally just had to go on peritoneal dialysis at the age of 16. And I did this for about eight months until one day at the age of 17, I received my first kidney transplant. And I was overjoyed. I was thankful. I was through the roof. But this kidney only lasted for um, 
about eight years. And then I had to resume hemodialysis um, for about five years. And then one day I got my second kidney transplant. And that is what I'm living with today. Well, your your second place winning essay, Silver Linings, uh, you were on dialysis. And then, you know, to read future essays to kind of hear your journey of your wisdom of just navigating the illness um, is so powerful because I relate to you so much being being a youth, being a teenager and having to deal with this and deal with all the peer pressure of just being a teenager. And I don't know about you, but I I just found a lot of my peers like were were interested in the wrong things. I'm like, I'm I'm dealing with a serious illness and you're dealing with, you know, what party to go with or you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't relate yeah. to them. It was really, really difficult. Um and I don't know if you experienced that as well. I, I did, absolutely. And I always laugh and I I consider it real life versus real life. <laughs> like they were they thought they were dealing with real life issues, but I was dealing with life or death. With a I real, was really real life. Like, <laughs> the real, real life. We know what that means. <laughs> exactly. You know, you can eat too much potassium and end up in, right? uh, having, I know, uh, having a heart, heart, heart problems. Um, right. Like, did I hook up to my dialysis machine the right way? Did I touch the connection? Do I need to put antibiotics in my dialysis bags? I mean, you know, and they're worried about, did I get my paper in? Okay. In school, does the boy like? me and I'm like no boy likes me right now <laughs> I have all these scars from the pulse steroids you know I just I was living real life uh, and I remember being younger and you know they gave all these steroids like I swear to god I was a balloon on a string and I would have eaten yes. a shoe I would have eaten a shoe if you put it on a plate in front of me because they made me so hungry. <laughs> they did. And, you know, it was so just the weight gain from the pulse steroids and any amount of prednisone really was just tough for an adolescent. And that was really a defining characteristic of my adolescent was the weight gain and then trying to lose weight and being ostracized from my peers because of the weight gain from prednisone and then trying to um, just stay fit. And that actually led me to get a personal training certificate when I um, eventually got my transplant so that I could eventually try to help other kidney patients um, navigate that world of fitness. Well, and you know, that's what's fascinating about your story. I I talk to people all the time who have a diagnosis of kidney disease, but there's a small percentage of people that really want to run towards the illness to help their peers. Most of them want to run away from the illness. And, <laughs> and I, you know, you work currently at the National Kidney Foundation of Indiana. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your role is there? Yes. So currently I'm a development specialist at the National Kidney Foundation of Indiana. And I run the kidney camp out there. And it's, it's so rewarding because I started out as a kidney camper. And now I am helping to facilitate the kidney camp for these kidney campers. And just to be able to come full circle is just extremely rewarding. I also help to um, coordinate our annual fundraising gala. So it's just a really, it's just a perfect role for someone like me. It, it is. It's so rewarding when you can help your peers. And I, I think you're in the same boat I am. But ad adversity introduced me to myself there's no greater gift than if you've suffered from something to be able to take that knowledge, learn about it so you're actually not just complaining 
Right. <laughs> you can help people with actual navigation suggestions. And and that's the most important thing because as we all know, when you're depressed and when you're taking a lot of steroids or whatever, people, it does get better, but it would play with your emotions. Yeah. You need somebody else who's been there that, you know, this too shall pass. Exactly. Um, and you're you're living proof of it. You're on like on dialysis and then you had a five years on dialysis. You got another transplant. And now uh, you have a busy life because in addition to helping people with kidney disease, you do a lot of other things. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I'm also a songwriter. I'm in the process of creating a full-length album right now. So that's something that I'm very passionate with is songwriting and writing music, playing ukulele. And I just, I absolutely love it. It is how I express myself. I just got my master's degree in strategic communication from Butler University. Um, that's something that I worked for really hard for a full two years, and I'm just very proud that I finished it. So that's took up a lot of my time these past few years. But I'm here to say that if there's something that you want to put your mind to, you would just have to go out, grab it, and get it. And don't let kidney disease stop you from anything because... It just makes you stronger and gives you more fortitude and just helps you um, see what you can overcome and helps you see what obstacles you can get over. And I don't even see it as a hindrance anymore. Kidney disease has made me stronger as a person and it's shown me what I can go out and get. And so that has helped me balance all the different activities and dreams and goals that I do have. You know, it sucks to have kidney disease. I want to say that to everybody. Nobody's saying that this is, you know... But you have to make lemonade out of lemons. And there is a lot of silver linings, like your first essay that you submitted to us um, talks about. And you meet wonderful people in the community. Um, and I don't know about this, but being young and having kidney disease and having other friends that were dating, it really kept the jerks away from me. I mean, I, I, I have <laughs> right. to say that. I mean, it was really, looking back being, uh, you know, there's somebody I liked and or whatever, but, you know, they they know I had kidney disease. They weren't interested. But um, I look back now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, my God, did I do dodge a bullet. Um, right. Uh, because Those are the wrong intentions, you know. You find people who truly care about you. And, mm -hmm. and real friends, I mean, they always say real friends are about, if you can count five on your hand, you are doing good. And I, I have more than that um, because kidney disease has allowed me to connect with people at a deeper level because I've dealt with it. I've seen as a source of strength and I can help other people navigate. Um, and most importantly, I've kept my sense of humor, which I think helps. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So so I, I know, too, that you were doing pageants, and that really helped you. Um, can you explain a little bit about that? And, and um, you know, it might be an option for people who you know, are looking for something to get involved in. You need to get involved in something when you have an illness. Yes, and I adore pageantry. I know sometimes it gets a bad rap, but pageantry has helped me be a better speaker, and it's also helped me just gain more self-esteem and give me something to look forward to. An interesting story, when um, I was actually preparing to go to the Miss International pageant as Miss Indiana International back in 2017, I had the car packed and ready to go. 
Um, I was actually doing peritoneal dialysis at the time. I had supplies sent out to Charleston, West Virginia for the pageant. I had supplies sitting in the hotel lobby, and I was still on my dialysis machine, kind of groggy, getting ready to leave in about two hours, getting ready to unhook. And I got a call from Indiana University, and I just kind of looked at the number. I'm like, yeah, what? Come on. And I answered, and it was a chipper voice on the other line, two hours before I'm supposed to leave for the pageant. And it was a, this voice said, hey, um, Dr. Goggins would like to offer you a kidney. And I was like, what? I'm supposed to leave for a pageant in two hours, so don't go. And they said, don't go. And I waited all day. <laughs> and I didn't actually get a call back until much later that night. And they say, well, bring your dialysis supplies into the hospital. You'll probably get a transplant in the morning, but we have to wait and see. And I um, brought my dialysis supplies in and did my last exchange that night. And did a final cross match and I wasn't convinced I was getting the kidney because I had had a blood transfusion 30 days before. And I said, you know, I probably match on the virtual cross match, but I don't think I'm going to match this kidney. And I think I'm second on the list or something. So I don't think it's going to me, but nurses kept coming in the room and no one looked panicked. And I said, Hey, is everything okay? And I said, yeah, you'll get a kidney in the morning. But I wasn't convinced yet because I had a high phosphorus level. And they said, it'll make your arteries hard and you won't be able to get the kidney in. So I was not convinced I was getting that transplant until I woke up out of surgery, <laughs> missed the pageant, and said, did I get a kidney? And they said, yes, Joy, you got the kidney transplant. So <laughs> that's my pageant kidney transplant story. Well, and, it, you know, it's so nerve-wracking because we've all been there where we've waited and then yep. because they want backup and then we don't get the kidney. And then I think, you know... W- I don't know about you, but one of my coping skills is managing my expectations. And if I actually mm-hmm. think of like, oh, well, I'm not going to, that's not going to happen or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I'm not disappointed as much. Like right. it helps, it helps you cope sometimes. We, we do play, and there was another wonderful essay that was uh, won this year called Mind Games. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I do a little mind games myself to trick my brain into you know, staying on the course and not going down the rabbit hole of depression. And sometimes it's just managing expectations because transplant, um, you know, they'll call a couple people in and Mm -hmm. some people just get the fire alarm call. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a good test. So to make sure you're ready if you don't get the kidney. Um, Because another one's going to come up if they're starting to call you. Mm, You've got to hang in there. You've got to keep moving forward, keep yourself busy with things, and just just hang in the game long enough, you know? Exactly. Just don't quit before the miracle happens. (laughs) Um, Right, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, I love that you talked a little bit about the pageants and building confidence, you know, because I joined Toastmasters in 93, And I knew I had a story to tell, but I was this like shy little girl. People can't believe that. And I try to speak and uh, I, it would get stuck in my throat, what I wanted to say. And I couldn't say it immediately. And so I would be in a meeting or something and I'd have these ideas, but I couldn't get them out of my mouth. (laughs) Um, And so I joined Toastmasters and it did a lot of the same things that the pageantry did for you is... It gave me confidence. It learned how to tell my story. I learned how to present. And so if, if, if anyone's interested in, you know, being an advocate for kidney disease, it's really important 
that you understand how to tell your story, but most importantly, how people hear you when you tell your story. Because I've heard people tell their story about kidney disease, and it's like they haven't understood how people who don't understand the illness they just can't keep up with you. <laughs> you you know, yeah. I'm like, I had a vascular access and I had this, and I'm like, they don't even know what a vascular mm-hmm. access is. So you have to learn how to tell your story to different audiences. And that's key to being an advocate is, you know, yeah. if you're speaking to a community group, they may not need to know all the intricacies of of kidney care. But if you're talking to a group of people who understand the field, you can get into the weeds a little bit more. Um, and and that's what I really learned from Toastmasters is knowing who your audience is. Yes, absolutely. That is really important. It's It's very important because, you know, so many people, everybody has a story to tell and everybody has something to offer in their expertise. But uh, communication is so important. And I think it gets not enough attention um, how people communicate and what they say. But most importantly, when you're speaking, what do other people hear? And I'm sure with the pageants and with Toastmasters, you get feedback. Like you're like, that yes. went really well, but you may want to tone this part down or you may want to right. um, expand upon it. That was the most interesting part of what you said. And we'd like to hear more about that. And and that's, you know, I wrote a book, Chronically Happy. I think you know that. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. wrote the book, and it's from speeches I gave all, like for 15 years, I would record my speeches. Wow. <laughs> and and I, I had a story that I like to tell, right? But mm-hmm. the audience liked another story that I like to tell because I, you know, and, and I, I could hear the reaction. And it really taught me that that is so important because... We have an emotional connection to stories. The audience has not had that opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's the first time they're connecting. So anybody who's listening, please make a point to look into any ways to improve your communication skills if you are an advocate. Uh, and there's a lot of different vehicles. We mentioned two of them, but check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. So how, how are you doing now? What are your plans? You know, you, you got this big event that's coming up this weekend, but what is your goals for the future? What do you hope to go? You know, my goals are always evolving. I am the, I'm so excited to be alive and I'm such an enthusiastic person that my goals are always just far reaching and out there and always changing. So right now, my main goals, including releasing my full length album, which will be on Spotify. And I'm not sure when, but I'm hoping sometime by the spring of 2024. That's so look me up. Yes. Thank you. And so do you sing? Is that... Um, yeah. So you songwrite, you sing, you play an instrument. Tell us a little bit more about that. And how did you get into music? Well, I got into music as a coping skill, um, basically for all of my emotions. I experience emotions very heavily, especially having dealt with kidney disease. And so I was always a poet. I've always written lyrics and written down words, but I've always wanted music behind them. So I've always looked for that instrument that could help me accompany my words. And on a trip to Hawaii, I saw a ukulele in the market and I was like, I want it. And I got it and I was able to strum it 
because I have some guitar background. And when I played the ukulele, I was like, this is the instrument for me. And I began writing my songs on the ukulele and just slowly building up my songs with that instrument. So on this album, I will play all the instruments. I produce the album and I sing on the album. And so it's all me. <laughs> so I'm really excited to finally present this part of joy to the world. So I'm just overjoyed. Well, your your writing is off the charts, so I can only imagine what your oh, lyrics you. are like. And uh, and do you have a musical family, or is this something you just picked up as a coping skill? I really picked it up as a coping skill. I record in my bedroom, in my closet, <laughs> with a vocal booth. So I'm doing everything kind of by myself. Um, it'll be mixed by Blake Eisenman um, out of Florida. But other than that, my really my only connection is me working on my music <laughs> by myself. <laughs> well, well, and you know, I'm sure there's a one of my friends that I actually adopted a dog to. She has the West Coast Songwriting Association. Please don't quote me if I'm wrong. There's a lot of songwriting groups out there because some of the older people who kind of developed the community and got it going, they want to mentor other people um, because yeah. it's it's a real it's a real art, and it's just like we're 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 suffering all right now because of. The strikes that are going on, thankfully, one of them mm-hmm. has been resolved. Um, and maybe by the time this podcast is aired, it'll all be resolved. But, you know, words are, are everything. I mean, you know, it, and writing a song is challenging. And it's, yeah. it's an art in itself. And when we hear a hit song, there's a reason. It's probably been like had a hundred versions of it before it got to that hit song. So, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a lot about coping. And I, I, think, I think I'd like to kind of wrap up with that because um, maybe we could discuss some of the ways in addition of how you've coped with the changes in kidney disease. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you recognize when you're kind of going down the hill and need something because your emotions are getting out of control. Uh, maybe you can walk us through that process if you can. Yeah, well, I'm really sensitive to my emotions. I grew up with a therapist. My mother is a, is a therapist. So I'm very in tune with my emotions. So when I start to feel like things are getting out of control, when I feel like I'm more on edge, I'm feeling very low, maybe a little more depressed than usual or a little more irritable than usual, I really try to surround myself with all the things that I need to, to bring it back in. And that is more sleep, to eat more nutritiously, and just to keep myself surrounded by people that are going to bring me positive energy. So it's just one of those things where you have to just, you have to engage in self-care. You've got to make sure you're getting all all seven to eight hours of sleep or more if you're me, maybe 10, <laughs> and making sure that you're following all your doctor's direction on nutrition. Make sure you're not eating a bunch of junk food. And making for me, it also includes staying warm. I tend to anemia, so I just make sure that I stay warm in a moment of crisis too. I think that's just something that just helps me in challenging times. Well, and, you know, it's interesting you say that because... Whenever I get too tired and mm-hmm. having an emotional crisis can make you tired, I get super cold. Yeah. And I, I've come to recognize it. 
and I'll go take a nap or get under the covers and let my body heal. But that's the way my body's telling me it's not right. Um, and sometimes it can mean you have a fever and have an infection too, yeah. just for the, just for <laughs> right, the record. Yep. So, I mean, if you're feeling cold and shivering and you can't get warm, I mean, that can also mean an infection, guys. But mm-hmm. it's important to understand that. And and I love to paint and make jewelry and like I'm I'm color makes me happy. So I also leave projects out, you know, like I might have some beads on the table that I want to make something. Um, and the fact that it's there and I can move the beads around for whatever reason helps me cope. It helps me feel better because I'm in charge of where the beads are going. And when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm depressed and not feeling well, it's usually because I feel out of control. And and whenever I can take little control back of things that are art projects or writing a story because I'm in charge of what happens or, you know, what topic I want to, I feel better because it's important that people find these tools to cope because it's it's hard to navigate an illness when you're depressed uh, all the time. I mean, we have a certain amount of depression, but you're living in that mode. It's very hard to have the energy to do all that's needed right? to live and thrive. Absolutely. And I understand it's hard when you're depressed to pull yourself up. But one thing you just have to remember is that this too will pass. As too and you pass. just have to kind of, yeah, you just have to just take care of yourself in the moment. Realize that this is not going to be like this forever. Things do get better. And you just have to surround yourself with love and positivity and light and know that the dark moments do not last forever. Just keep moving forward. Because the only way through hell is what? To get through it. You have to walk through it. If you're there, don't stop there. Right. Just keep moving forward. I have this saying, you know, people are like, well, when one door closes, another one opens. And I'm like, but it's hell in the hall, okay? Because when you're in the hall and you don't know where any of them, you know, the exits are, you're in your panic room. Sometimes you just have to, you know, go for a walk, even when you don't feel like it. Like your take your body right. and your mind will follow, or mm-hmm. figure out some kind of way to change the channel. Um, and one of the best ways is to find somebody in the kidney community that has the illness. I like to say kidney kin, and this was one of the original messages that I created RSN. Is one friend makes a difference. So I've had problems where I've felt depressed. Um, you know, people think I'm always chronically happy, but I'm really chronically happy, damn it, because it takes a little anger to be happy with an illness. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I can call somebody who has the same problems and, you know, they just listen because we got to seek out the right people to get emotional support. I mean, I can tell some of my friends who don't have kidney disease and they say, I'm so sorry, or, you know, they, they give me an answer. But when I'm talking to a peer, it's a different response. And I had a, a dear friend let me know that they're having a knee replacement. Now, I've had both my knees replacement. I've had a lot of, you know, I'm the queen of parts, I say. And it's important. She said, I hate, I shouldn't complain to you. Because, and I'm like, please don't say that. Every time somebody has a surgery or goes through trauma, 
we may be a little more skilled at understanding our emotions, but all of them are still the Mm -hmm. same as you have. I mean, the fear, the anger, depression, grief, understanding, acceptance. And so, you know, they're thinking they can't talk to me because I've had too many surgeries, you know? Right. And, and, I, and it's not the case. We just need somebody to empathize. Um, and mm-hmm. then also when we talk to a peer, it's really great because they can say, well, this is what happened when I had that done. And then that's yeah. the beauty of a support group or a support network is being able to not feel alone in your journey. I think it's absolutely wonderful that you've chose a career to help peers, um, people who have kidney disease through the NKF of Indiana. And I can't wait to see what album that shows up on Spotify. I have it my car set up to Spotify. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, what the future holds, because you're just a ball of energy. Oh, well, thank you. I try. <laughs> so just to wrap up, if if there's a new person listening who's been diagnosed, um, what would be some wisdom that you would provide them? Wow. Well, I think my number one wisdom that I would give someone who is newly diagnosed with kidney disease is kidney disease is hard. There's no sugarcoating that. But when times get rough, and they will, when times get very hard, when things get very seemingly unbearable, just keep moving. I remember watching The Amazing Race some years ago, and there was a couple on the show, and uh, I remember the girl, it was a girl and a guy, and they were the girl was getting very stressed. She said, we're not going to win. We're not going to win. It was the final episode. And the guy said, just keep moving. Just keep moving. And she was like, no, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. And he said, you know what? Even if we just finish the race, we're on national TV. Let's just finish. And she said, okay, fine. I'll just keep moving. And they won. They won the million dollars. They won the amazing race. I remember taking that with me and putting it in my back pocket and thinking, just keep moving. Because one day you could just finish the race. And that's what kept me going through dialysis and all the hard moments until I finished the race and got a kidney transplant. So for all those who are maybe newly diagnosed with kidney disease and listening, just just keep moving. That's such great advice because we sometimes just, you know, fear paralyzes us. And that's a natural response. But if you can just keep moving, reach out and ask for help. <laughs> mm-hmm. We RSN has a number of support groups and we have a hope line where you can talk to people and there's so many bulletin boards on social media. Um, I always say find the one that works for you. Um, because all of them it's like it's all like walking into a, a a bar. I hate to say that, but they all have a different energy. And you got to find one that works for you. And uh, you know, join us on RSN. We have a great events that are coming up uh, helping to connect people and I'm so glad that I connected with you Joy because you have the perfect name I don't know what your mom was thinking when she named you Joy but she <laughs> she was a little bit of a psychic I think um, <laughs> you have the perfect name because That's you bring hilarious. so much well, joy thank you <laughs> well um, uh, for those of you listening uh, Joy I so appreciate you participating sharing your story We are going to post all of her essays on the Kidney Talk page. 
when we post this so you can go read her words of wisdom. And when her Spotify album comes out, we will also link on this page so you have an opportunity to to hear her, uh, not only read her words, but hear her words. So uh, I thank you so much for your um, your dedication, and I look forward to um, connecting again. Well, thank you so much, Lori. I love chatting today. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.